This is everything you should have learned in high school but didn't because you weren't taught. You are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast Show with me, Dustin Owen, and I have a special guest with me today, the one and only Mr. Mike Williams, which by the way, there's not a one and only Mike Williams because it's a pretty common generic name, but how about this? I have the Mike Williams who actually is newly employed at Waterstone Mortgage, but has spent the previous five years doing what, Mike? I was a car salesman. A car salesman. Were you any particular type of car salesman, like buy here, pay here, use car lot? Were you going to the auctions? What type of salesman were you? Big major dealership where you're helping people lease cars. All the time. Okay, buy new cars? Uh, mostly, yeah. And certified pre-owned? Correct. Okay, and were you just any salesperson for this dealership, or were you maybe like the guy? I was pretty good. Right. You're pretty good. Your number one, was it five years in a row? Something like that. Something like that. Okay, perfect. So with the theme of the Loan Officer Podcast show, every, every, every other episode, we're really trying to dig deep into things that should have been taught to us but they just weren't, right? Like if I think of me trying to buy a car, which I've only done a couple times in my life, I'm gonna go off of what my dad taught me, which is something that is now over two decades old, that maybe he got from one of his older brothers, which that too is two decades old. So I'm trying to go off of like A, memory, and B, piecing together stories I heard over the past three or four decades. I have a small, sneaky suspicion that things have changed. Is that correct? Absolutely, they have. And that's a big problem that a lot of people have. They think, you know, this is the way you do it because their parents or even 10 years ago, the average trade cycle is like five years in, in the car business. And that doesn't mean you bought all five, you know, every five years from a new car dealership or they were all new cars. Could be your first new car and you're 50. Uh, so things have definitely changed. The internet really is what's, what's changed. Okay, perfect. So what I want to do is I want to spend the next like 20, 25 minutes I am as much the audience as I am the host of, of this podcast. Um, the, the thought process and the theory behind it is if I'm ordinary and my friends are ordinary, then that means that there's tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of people just like us that think we know way more than we do. So I'm going to, and this is even like true story, in the next year or two, I'm going to be in the market for a new car. My car is hitting about 140,000 miles. I've had it for about seven years now. Uh, my wife's car is 150,000 miles. She's had it for eight years. Our son is 15, turning 16. He's probably going to get her car, which means sometime in the next 12 months, the Owen family household is going to need a new car. So a lot of what I'm going to ask you is, is things that I truly want to know. Um, so uh, let's just jump right into it. First and foremost, if I want to buy a car, what's my first step? Like, what's the first question I need to solve for? So I think the problem, uh, going with the themes of misconceptions, uh, a lot of people shop online for cars. When you shop online for cars, what do you think about? What are you shopping for? Price. Right, price. Well, here's the thing. How many people I've had come in that, you know, hopefully I was the lowest price or I was top three. They're going to visit, see which one they liked, and then buy from them. Or maybe I could match the other dealer that's out of town thing. We go look at the car, and it's the wrong car. They, you know, they've never seen it, they've never driven it, they watch YouTube videos, run on KBB, whatever, the manufacturer's website. Uh, it is not as big or small, it didn't have the features they thought it had, didn't have the safety stuff. So as a good salesperson in anything, you do an interview. Uh, what are you guys looking to do? What are you driving now? Why are you driving it now? Uh, what are some things you want in the new car? Budget, blah, 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 blah. 
and you get into, you know, this isn't the right car at all, and they leave in a totally different car. So I was never that scared to quote somebody, like a really, really good deal for them that I thought would beat my competitors. Because a lot of times people come in and it's the wrong car, man. It happens all the time. So that's so interesting. So A, I learned something already, and we're like 30 seconds into this interview. But here in the mortgage industry, I constantly preach, hey, there's no such thing as a one-size-fits-all mortgage. It's not as easy as, oh, I went online, I clicked a button, I got a loan, and that was the best loan for me. I would have never thought, I mean, I literally preach and teach that day in, day out for the past decade plus. I would have never thought to approach buying a car in the same way, but you're telling me right now, even the car I drive needs to be tailor-made to my personal needs, wants, and goals. Of course. And what I think I, okay, go ahead. There's no such thing as a great deal in the wrong car. So just because you shopped 15 dealerships, sent a million internet leads, called, emailed a million times, did all this haggling, got your own financing, yada, yada, all, all the crappy stuff that no one wants to do, that everybody fears about buying a car, the bad part of the process that I imagine is going to be the bulk of what we talk about today, uh, doesn't mean you got the right car. You know, there's no such thing as a good deal on the wrong car. So my first thing would say, go drive them. Um, even if it ends up not being the dealership that you do business with, even if you go drive a used one that's maybe a year older but no changes, uh, your car now could be very different. Your car now compared to the one you drive if you just wanted to replace the same you know, make and model, uh, but for a 2020 or next year, 2021, could be you hate it. You know? uh, we had one that was kind of like that. I sold a, a ton of my first couple years in the car business. My, the next four years, um, they remodeled it, they made it a little bit smaller, they changed a bunch of stuff. We sold more of them than ever, but man did we piss off all the clients that owned those previous ones, because they just wanted to come in, plug and play, pick a different color, but that same car, and it was totally different, and it hit the fan. Well, now you've just shopped this vehicle, and shopped all this stuff, and uh, all these different dealerships, and spend a bunch of your time, you're pulling your hair out. Uh, the nice thing about the internet is you can shop you know, in your underwear in your living room, um, which is why a lot of people use it, and it is really the best way to get the best price. There's some caveats with that we'll get into for sure. Um, I think the biggest thing is uh, there's these big dealerships, like even buy here, pay here places, uh, H. Gregg, off-lease only, that sell wrecked, trashed cars. You would never actually want to own one of them, but they have like, they got Maserati, they got Mercedes, they have Buicks, they have GMC, Chevy, you know, everything you could dream of. Go there, go sit in them, go drive them. You know, you're not going to learn a lot from the salesperson probably there about one specific model. Um, but that's kind of the way to do it. Make sure it fits. Make sure the family sits in the back and the car seat goes in and that kind of stuff before you start shopping a million dealerships. So the first thing I need to do is actually drive my happy butt, or if for whatever reason my car is totally trashed, I need to Uber or Lyft to a dealership. Okay, so so help me out here, because I'm going to show up to that lot, and I'm going to be the next up. The next, no, I'm the next up. I'm the next John, right? I'm walking in, the next Mark, and I'm going to get hammered. Because I think a lot of people want to stay in their underwear because they want to. Is there anything that... As the as just the average everyday Joe that that I could say walking into the dealership that says, "Look, I am serious. I really do need a car, but I'm not buying today. I need to test drive because my friend Mike told me I need to test drive. Let me test drive. Do what you can to impress me, but please don't try to close me. Or is that just going to happen?"
I, I sold kind of expensive vehicles, uh, not you know Lamborghinis or anything, but probably my average sale was like in the fifty thousand dollar range. Well, people buying fifty, eighty thousand, forty thousand dollar vehicles, um, they're business owners, they're loan officers, they're cops, they're you know um, realtors, they're not idiots for the most part. Um, so they want the best deal possible. You're you're not going to close them on why you should buy. Plus. You work at a new car dealership. Um, let's just take Honda. How many Honda dealerships are in Orlando, Florida? You know. Right? I would guess five to seven. Exactly, and they're all five, ten miles away from each other. Um, people might have a map drawn up of all of them, and one thing you say you don't like, they go on to the next one. Like you're, you're, you're not as valuable as you might think you are. It's very easy to go down the street and shop your deal or, or shop the person, the salesperson. A lot of people don't like the salesperson or their tactics. Or whatever. Well, people do business with people that they like. So you're saying there's a good chance I can walk in with the sole goal to test drive, to feel the car out, to see if it's mine, and let the salesperson know from the get-go. Exactly. I'm not looking to do anything but, but test drive. So the car business has taught consumers to shop the way that they shop now, which is, you know, we they've always been like, shady and kind of underhanded and you always think you're getting screwed and there's all this negotiating you know um, which has kind of led to the one price places which aren't really one price uh, with the internet and that kind of stuff but um, really we've taught consumers to do this stupid game where no I'm not trading anything oh yeah last second I am trading something uh, no I'm paying cash oh yeah I am financing and I'm pre-approved and that, you know honestly the best thing find a reputable dealer go online say you wanted to drive a, a, a Chevy you know find the closest Chevy store Whoever's name pops up the most, it's usually going to be like the internet manager or something like that. Whatever name has the most great five-star reviews, uh, that'd be the person to ask for when you get there or call up and set an appointment with. I'd even tell them on the phone, I'm not buying today, no matter what, no matter what happens. I don't even need to see numbers. Uh, it's usually a good way to go about it. I'm just learning as much as I can about the vehicle. I like that. And I want to repeat that so, so people can make a mental note. I don't even need to see numbers. Yeah, not even that far. Super early stages. And my biggest thing is, and especially when you found a good salesperson, which that's a good way to vet them before you get there. That way you don't just show up and the guy that started yesterday, you know, uh, or at lunch is you're the next up and he's your, ne you know, you're his next uh, customer. Uh, that way you get somebody that's at least established enough to have six months of reviews online or whatever. Happy people leave good reviews. I mean, so uh, that's a good way to kind of vet the salesperson and then let them teach you about the car, you know. Uh, and if you ask questions, if, if you know, I would ask a question you know the answer to. I used to get that a lot. People would ask me, how many horsepower does this truck have? And I would say, oh, it's 420. Uh, but if it was 420 and I told them it was 380, no, I would just tell them, you know, I'm not sure, but I'll, before you leave, I'll make sure I have that, you know, kind of get one of those and see who you're dealing with, whether they're telling you the truth or not. So you're saying as the consumer, I need to go in with at least one, but maybe two or three preloaded questions that I know the answer to as the consumer. I'm going to ask it of the salesperson just to vet him or her and their knowledge base. Absolutely. Because if they can't answer a couple of these cupcake or, or layups, uh, then maybe they're not the salesperson to represent me in my purchase. Absolutely. Okay. They're not going to give you the best information. They're not going to have that knowledge base to put you in the right car. Uh, the reason product and, uh, knowledge is so important in the car business is if you don't know the product and a lot of them, like we have four brands and six, eight models, each one, and all the options that come with it, and all the trim levels, and the engines, and transmissions, and technology. It's a lot to know, but unless you're an expert on it, you can't put somebody in the right car. Why would I interview, ask you all these questions, get all these answers, and not know how that fits into the, the puzzle of the vehicles that I offer? Uh, just, you know, with, with anything, with loans, with, with anything. So um, that would be the best thing. 
and it's a good way to find out if you're like on your own, even if you've written them off of doing business with them because they lied about something, or, or all three questions got you know BS answers. Uh, well, then you know you probably don't want to do business with them because they can make promises they're more than likely not going to follow up on. Even if I mean, sometimes they have just pure ignorance, right? right just right. they just don't know better. They're not doing it to be malicious. Yeah. They're just doing it out of being new uh, or, or or uninformed. And if you're in the car business and you're new, I don't know, but I will get you that answer before you leave. I will make sure we know before you leave, and I'll learn something today. Uh, but anyways, um, I think the big thing is to put your butt in the seat, you know. If the family's, if it's going to be a family vehicle, definitely snag a car seat out of the trade and put it in there. Uh, and I would, you know, make sure that car's right for you. Make sure you find the right trim level. It's another thing. Uh, when you say trim level, what do you mean by that? So let's say you had a um, GMC Sierra pickup truck. There's SLE that's like base level cloth, kind of a step up from a work truck. SLT is now leather and like nice wheels and stuff. And there's Denali, which is Mac Daddy, whatever. Okay, so when you say trim, it's like what level do I want? Level 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, or Mac Daddy? Exactly. Okay. So uh, when you're doing that, because if I go shopping prices on an SLE, right, and I think it has this, 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 and this, or things I need and whatever, and then I get there and I've worked the deal and I've like sent credit or whatever, got pre-approved at my bank, I walk in, I think I'm getting the smoking deal, told everybody at the water cooler about it at work. And you get there and you're like, doesn't have leather seats and it's missing, you know, X, Y, Z. Well, yeah, no crap. It, it never had any of that. No one who told you it had that. Well, I just thought, you know, so it's good and, to actually go in person. And, and, and actually see it. So let's say, so I go in person. Um, I find a salesperson that I hit it off with. They've, for the most part, impressed me with their product knowledge. Um, wifey sat in the seat, kids got in the back, uh, made sure that my daughter couldn't kick me. She likes to do that, by the way. She gets behind my seat and then will start kicking me in the back. Uh, very annoying, but I make sure I have enough leg room for her, enough for me, et cetera, et cetera. Um, like sure what? In the garage. Oh, that's not a good thing to figure out the next day. Yeah. That's a huge yeah. one. Like, like I'm looking at a pickup truck as my next vehicle. Um, and I'll throw it out there. I, I don't know what you sold, but I like the Ford Raptor. I like how it looks. I know nothing about it. I've never driven one. I've never been inside of one. So I've learned already today, hey, I need to go to a Ford dealership and actually drive one and sit in one and maybe try to do a U-turn in one. But I'm very concerned that it won't fit in my garage. There's a $62,000 Raptor and a $76,000 Raptor. There's some differences because the Ford Raptor doesn't mean it has all that stuff your buddy's Ford Raptor has or, you know, your coworkers. Uh, so, yeah, another reason to go see it and learn the trim levels and use the manufacturer's website for things like that. But in the end, I, don't, I can't tell you how many times I would send somebody home in a, a big truck or a big SUV or something and say, yeah, go make sure it fit. Go shut the door, move the stuff, you know. That's something you need to know because I don't care how well, you know, I do and I close you right there and everybody's happy and the thing won't fit in the garage and that's like a deal breaker. Now we're all wasting time. You're coming back. We're unwinding it. We're changing car. Yeah. Well, so uh, um, quick question on that. It, if I go buy a car today, is there a like, I have three days to bring it back if I don't like it? So uh, buyer's remorse basically is what you're talking about. In the state of Florida, if uh, someone comes to your home, so like solar panels or something like that, door-to-door -door salesman, you have buyer's remorse, you have three days. Uh, in the car world, uh, motorcycles, all that, as soon as you cross the curb with your tag on it, once you've signed paperwork, it's a wrap. So if you pulled out, didn't even make it to the house, got to the gas station, and went, oh, man, the gas cap's on the wrong side, or whatever, you know. So just it's a done deal. It's, it's a wrap. Now, do dealerships make exceptions, or is there a way for me to take a car home for a couple of days before I buy it? Absolutely. The, the number one thing, dealerships make exceptions, of course. But one huge thing is dealerships uh, with new cars, especially, or really only new cars, 
surveys are the world. So um, they need a perfect survey 100% of the time, and 99 is a failure. So what kind of survey would you get if you turned around five minutes in and said, never mind, I'm mind the whole thing, I'll buy again in a month, or whatever the excuse was, or we'll change cars, and they said no, and you get that survey, you're going to crush them, you know? And that's their money, and that's the salesperson's money, the finance manager, the owner's money. So most dealerships these days are, inc are incentivized, is it by like the parent company? So like if I'm a, a Ford dealer, uh, Ford, the parent company, will give me incentives based on my, on my customer satisfaction surveys? So they're going to send you incentives for selling X amount of vehicles. Okay. New, new cars, uh, trucks, whatever. Uh, they will take all that money away if you're not at like the national average for what they call CSI or customer satisfaction. Okay. So those surveys are them getting all the money or no money, not just on your deal, but on everyone they did that money. So you'd say advisable would be, look, if you're out and you're you're ready to maybe pull the trigger, before you pull the trigger, see if they'll let you take it home for a night or two. With a dealer tag on it. With a dealer tag on it, okay. Um, Even if you sign all the paperwork, rock and roll, dealer tag, a, 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 what do they call it, like an overnight or a, mm -hmm. car, a loaner car agreement. And then you're you're in the clear, and you know, and obviously, be honest with them. Kind of the point I was getting to earlier. We have taught people to like play games. The dealerships play games. Well, when I got in the business, I was like, you know, I'm definitely not doing that. I come from law enforcement. That's not just the way I do anything. Well, that's what's so funny. We didn't even get into this about your background. Uh, how long did you think you would sell cars for? Six months. Five months. Six months. You were moving from like Georgia to Florida. Back back then, your your uh, profession was law enforcement, so you're waiting for some paperwork to go through, and you figured, well, I'm kind of bored. Maybe I'll come down uh, here and, and sell cars. And you did it for what five years? That's exactly, almost six. Almost six. Wow, that's crazy. Um, but uh, I I totally digressed on that one. So we, we've taught people to play games. And yes. Play games and to negotiate, and the man behind the curtain that controls the numbers and all this stuff, really as honest as you can be, especially once you've vetted your salesperson. If you're just shopping for price, and some people definitely are like that, like there is no value in the person that's helping you, rock and roll more power to you than just find the cheapest place and teach yourself about the car, and hopefully it's right. Uh, I like that, hopefully. Yeah, right. I mean, it, there's a lot to know, man, especially if you're shopping several models, and different ones are easier than other brands, but there's a lot to it, a lot of different packages, a lot of things. I would gladly, by the way, and I, I wished more consumers, in fact, I think most consumers are, but there is that, that segment that just come hell or high water aren't. But for an extra eight hundred or twelve hundred dollars, I like to know things. Absolutely. I don't. I don't want to wish and I don't want to hope. No, I want to know, and that there's a cost to that that I feel justified paying. Um, it kind of falls into that sleep good at night factor. Average person's financing for seventy two, seventy five, eighty four months. So that thousand bucks you were just talking about that the salesperson's worth is costing eighteen, twenty, maybe. Total, like over the. A month. Oh yeah, if, yeah, yeah. If you paid a thousand more, which. So, so I think what you're getting at is, is the gameplay or the gamesmanship that we're so afraid of that we want to bring to the dealership. Because we've taught you to do that. But is that so yesteryear? Really I mean, is that like 1988, Colin? It's a way to have a, you know, and as soon as, as a salesperson or sales manager, as soon as you have someone that's like playing games and leaving things out and, and maybe in some circumstances, it does make sense to not give them all the information. And I would rather, I want a price first. Then I want to know how much my trade is worth to you, pending you see it, if we're doing the, the internet thing. Um, and then see what like three or four dealerships in your area do. Uh, if one person stands out, I'd probably give them, you know, hey, this is the lowest quote I got. How close can you get it? Can you match it? Can you beat it? Whatever. But um, I would definitely do 
give me your sale price, and then the next request is how much is my trade worth to you? Here's the bin, here's the miles, some pictures, here's what's wrong with, you know, the big thing is just to be honest. Uh, yeah. Really, if you find an honest salesman, uh, don't, don't lie to her. If you think they're honest, you're pretty sure they are. They pass the kind of... But it's, yeah, it's a two-way street, right? Your, your salesman or saleswoman may have one or two cards up their sleeve that maybe they can't even show until you get to a certain point in the negotiation, but they're going to be honest with you. You should be honest with them. Although maybe there's one or two cards up your sleeve, like, Hey, I'm not going to let you know that, um, I'm, well, okay. Well, yeah, I was thinking, or I have a trade in. Because I want to get the lowest possible price, then a trade-in. And maybe I'm fortunate to where I don't need dealer financing. I could pay cash, but I'm going to do whatever helps me get the best price. Um, and, and maybe that's something I don't, I don't lay out on the table right away. I wait until we get to that step in the, in the negotiation. Is that, is that a smart move or not a smart move? Yeah, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with okay. it. As long as like, the point was you don't have to lie and say, I'm not trading anything and I'm buying a cash. And then come back and say, well, actually, what would you give me for this random car that I drive every day that I might be trading and was trading the whole time? And I have a 600 Beacon yeah. and I have to, I have to finance. Like, yeah, and, and you know what? I'll pay cash. But if there's incentives to finance, let me know because I am open to financing. Uh, a lot of times the incentives to finance are with the manufacturer's bank. So you said the Ford Raptor, Ford Motor Credit might, have, might offer you another 750 bucks to finance through them. The rate might suck, uh, but there's ways if you have a professional salesperson or sales manager, they can walk you through it and say, well, you can finance with Ford Motor Credit, uh, get that 750 and then refinance with your credit union in three months. You guys can do the math on if it makes sense to do it or not, if it's worth your trouble or not. Um, but that's kind of the way. So yeah, just giving them as much information as possible uh, up front, making sure they're the type to give you all the information. Uh, the days of uh, when I first started in 2014, we would give quotes over the phone. We would give quotes online within reason. We haven't seen your trade. If it's beat to hell, then it's probably not worth what I'm telling you. You know, if it's perfect, it might be worth more. Uh, a lot of dealerships would show you two grand over perfect, wait till you got there and then walk you backwards. So I'll, I'll get into the flaws with the internet quotes too. <clears throat> and why I think you should vet a salesperson or a dealership as a whole um, on reviews and ratings and that kind of stuff. Um, where's I going with that? Uh, but basically, um, someone that'll help you if you give them all the information, that's the only way I can see the whole picture and actually say, well, here's the best way to go. Oh, well, I saw 0% financing. Okay, well, 0% doesn't make sense because you lose this $5,500 rebate that you get if you don't do it. Here's the difference, and if you kept it for six years, the zero percent would pay off. But you want someone that can that can help you with stuff like that. Yeah, it's basically someone who can customize your overall purchase to make sure you're you're hitting as many boxes that make sense for you to get the car that you've already test drove that makes sense for you. Exactly. What um so th- th- I've read a lot through um, various personal finance publications or books that that have been written on personal finance of never buy new or never buy lease or only lease or certified pre-owned. Can you break down and and almost categorize when does it make sense to lease? Who should buy pre-owned or I'm sorry, who should buy brand new? And, and then why does it make sense to buy certified pre-owned? Absolutely. Uh, So leasing when I was uh, in law enforcement, I always thought was just kind of hokey was a way for people to buy cars that were nicer than what they probably could afford with their budget. Well, I've, I've even called, I was telling Coleman, um, who, by the way, today with you off on mic, he's off mic, but he's uh, standing in the room with us guys producing the show. And I was telling him to me, people who lease again, like you, I'm, I'm very ignorant when it comes to this. 
it was like a way for someone to make an irrational, rational decision, right? Meaning, oh, is it like, like it's someone who says, look, I'm always going to want a new car. Always. I don't care what you tell me, what Dave Ramsey tells me, what I've read online with Clark Howard. Like I like new cars. I don't like having to work on cars and I get bored with cars and I change cars the way I take, I, I change running shoes. Um, then maybe lease is, is it that basic or is it more behind it? Uh, it is. And obviously if you're that type of person, which I certainly am, uh, my wife and I both lease, uh, another big factor is miles. So if I drove for a living, yeah, I, I wouldn't be leasing cars for sure. Anything over about 15,000 miles a year, it starts not making as much sense to lease. Uh, back to what you were saying about like the, uh, oh, well, here's how much the cars that happened a lot. You'd have someone that drove 8,000 miles a year and wanted to put, you know, 10 grand down on this $70,000 vehicle, and let's say their payment was 1,200 bucks. I would run a lease, they've never leased before, scared of leasing, which by the way, leasing's changed a lot in the last like 10, 12 years, uh, for the better for consumers, basically. Um, so I would whip up a lease, five grand down, you know, 860 a month, I mean, much less money out of pocket. You're trading a four-year-old car, you know, or a three-year-old car, with 30,000 miles, well, here we are. That's, that's the same thing we'd be doing. And instead of having the negative equity that we're taking from this one, you're just going to walk away at the end of the lease. The big factor being how many miles a year you drive. But yeah, the, the one big thing, the, the, the bad to it is you're always going to have a car payment. You're never going to pay it off and, and ride it till, it till the wheels fall off. But am I responsible for things like oil changes and brake pads and new tires? Or does that come with my lease? I have no idea. I'm a guess. 30,000. 60, 70, 50 would be okay. low, so you never put tires on. So the nice thing about leasing is uh, you can prepay for the oil changes. Some brands, the first one or the first two years, have paid for. So very minimal uh, maintenance. You're always under warranty the entire time you're leasing. Again, if you're in that like 12, 15,000, like three-year range, uh, maybe at the very end, you know, last couple thousand miles, you're not in the bumper-to-bumper -bumper, uh, warranty. So you're never paying for repairs. You're never putting tires on it. Um, brake pads or brake pads. Brake pads. Yeah. Nowadays they're 100,000 mile rotors and you know 50,000 mile pad. Um, so a couple, you know, 60, 70 dollar oil changes. And so if I'm cool, always having a, I, I almost said a mortgage payment, uh, but you said 1,200 dollars. I'm like, shit, that's like a mortgage payment. Um, but uh, if I'm always cool having a car payment, there are definitely financial benefits, especially if I don't drive a lot. leasing like his fifth uh, smaller SUV for 250 bucks a month or something and he was 90 years old I think the one he was turning in that was two years old was uh, had like 7,000 miles on so it doesn't drive at all hardly I'm like why wouldn't you buy something pay it off and just keep it for you have no miles something nothing's gonna go wrong probably and so he had me take a worksheet like a blank piece of paper and and we already had numbers on the, uh, the vehicle he ended up buying he had me do numbers on if he purchased it, same amount down, what the payment would be, and we extrapolated like two, three-year leases, or on the other side, a six-year purchase. Might be kind of hard to envision, but basically on the three-year lease, we did like the um, worst-case scenario, like how much everything was, if you had to pay for oil changes, then three years, new car, added another down payment, uh, which most of the time you don't have to do anyways, added up all the payments, and at six years, he spent you know X amount. Added up uh, just one set of tires, no big breakdowns, no big fixes on the six-year finance. 
subtracted a very uh, liberal number for the value of that car now that it's got you know 100,000 miles, whatever, six years later. Uh, and we could not get, even trying to make the lease look bad and make the purchase look better, we couldn't get above about 80% cost of ownership wow. uh, for the lease compared to the purchase. And um, the only thing is you always have a payment. But, you know, I ask a lot of people come in and uh, they've got a 10-year-old car or a 5-year-old car that's out of warranty that they don't owe any money on. Like, well, I don't have a car payment. Yes, but how much are so your annual, yes. Down, divide that 2400 you spent this year, divided by 12 months. You know, like, yeah, you got a car payment. It just hits you all at once. Well, here's the thing. I've, I've been living that for the past four years. I paid my car off four years ago, and I've done um, – I, oh, I thought I did. Brake pads, AC, new tires, uh, drive shaft. Um, yeah, mine's uh, all-wheel uh, all wheel drive, and you, you know this. Um, yeah, 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 because you have, you have a transmission for the, the rear axle, but then you have something else for the front axle, and it's just as expensive. It was like five grand. It was $5,000 just to fix this, where you know, I honestly, just from this small back and forth, I may look at leasing, especially if I – if I don't know exactly what I want and I do the test drive, maybe I think I want a Ford Raptor. And after two or three years, I'm like, I, I never use the bed of the truck. I don't need something this big. Maybe I need to go back to something smaller like, or an SUC, like the sports utility car. Um, okay, so so that was why lease. Why should someone ever buy brand new? Because I, mean, I don't think you can dispute this. The minute I drive off the dealership, I lost money. Absolutely. Okay, so is it a luxury item to, to buy brand new? trade a truck in that was uh, one model year old and had, let's say, seven, 10,000 miles, something like that. So they bought it brand new. Bought it brand new. Okay. Company, traded it back in on another brand new one because two, three times a year, you know, the incentives are huge or whatever, end of the year, end of the month. So they would trade it in. We would give them however much uh, the trade was worth and uh, needs next to no work. So advertise it for, you know, 1,000, 2,000 over whatever we gave them. And so let's say that that truck was $45,000, right? was the sale price on that new truck, and it's certified, which gives you a little bit extra warranty, um, but about the same as the new truck when you buy it. Well, the new truck is uh, 48, 49 grand, you know, within four or five grand because of all the incentives that are on it. The truck, the used truck's kind of expensive because they hold their value really well, um, so the gap isn't that far off, so five grand it isn't very much, especially when, again, we're talking 72, 75, 84 month payments, you know. Yeah, you're talking about, that's a 6% uh, difference, yeah. So here's the other issue. Doesn't matter if you're an 800 beacon or a 600 beacon. Doesn't matter if it's a credit union or a big bank or whatever. The rates are higher on used cars than they are new cars. Well, now when we factor in, you know, it's 499 instead of 350. Yeah, you know, now the payment's $18 different to drive a brand new one that no one's butt's ever been in, and their kids never spilled anything, and they never nicked to the bumper or anything. It, it's kind of hard not to. Have a lot of people come in. I'd never buy a new. I would never. Ever That's buy me. New. Yeah, that that is me. And you're telling me. Option. I'd rather have this interior color or something. You can't custom order a used car. You know, it's whatever's out there, and that's it. And if you don't see a lot of it, it's because there weren't a lot of those new ordered like that. So you're probably not going to see it. Uh, so then, you know, well, all right. Well, you want to look at new one? Yeah, but I just, you know, just because you're nice and I don't want to say no, I'll go look at a new one. And then I run numbers on both, and it's like it's kind of hard to argue, man. Like, yeah, it's more, but it's so close, you know. So. That's fantastic. You mentioned something about uh, various incentive times or end of the month or end of the year. 
is there really a certain day of the month, day of the week, or or time of the month or time of the year that it truly is better to to get a quote unquote deal? Uh, yes and no. Okay. So it depends on the vehicle you're looking at. Um, uh, for example, every new car manufacturer, they're basically or uh, dealership is just giving away cars. The money is in A service and B manufacturer incentives, not to the customer, but to the dealership uh, for hitting their numbers. So let's say- And, the, and their numbers are volume related. How many right. units can you spit out on a monthly basis? Exactly. Okay. So speaking of new cars, uh, let's take the Ford Raptor example. You have to sell 22 new Ford Raptors at you know XYZ dealership. Uh, Bob's Ford store has to sell 22 new Raptors this month. If they sell 21, uh, Ford Motor Company gives them $0.00. And zero cents. If they sell 22, Ford Motor Company gives them $2,000 per Raptor retroactive. Right? Wow. And that's the kind of money. Yeah. That's it's like, yeah, from zero to $44,000 like that. Okay. So, uh, well, what if I sold, you know, the last four at a $2,000 loss each? You know, does that make sense? Oh, yeah. If I asked you for eight grand and then tomorrow I'll bring you 44, would you go find eight grand? Uh -huh. Of course you would. So that's kind of how it goes. So the end of the month is usually a good time. The unless they've already hit their number, hit their number. unless or they hit their number. Okay. So far away that they're just not going to hit their number. So really walking in at five o'clock on the last day of the month, it's like, they kind of already know no one else is walking, especially if it's like a Tuesday, you know, uh, if it's a Saturday, maybe it makes sense, but, um, start working a deal maybe four or five days for the end of the month. Hell, ask your salesperson. They'll know how far. Well, you know, I was thinking about that. Like literally if you're not even going to come close to hitting your number and here we are on like the 28th of February and you know, this year there's 29 days in February, but most days, most, most years there's 28. Um, I may ask you like, how close are you to hitting your number? Could, because if you're nowhere close, like, could I say, if I come back next week, would I get a better deal? Yeah, right. Like, you know, go ahead and sandbag this one. Let's push it into March. Yep. And, and I would do that for my customers all the time. Like, Hey Mike, uh, I'm looking to trade my truck vehicle, whatever. Uh, Whenever you tell me, I should do it, you know? And so I run numbers. The, the, the other news is that my people may not know is the incentives are constantly changing, right? You see, watch a March Madness basketball game or the Super Bowl or whatever, you know, 0% or XYZ amount off. Um, they change every month and no one ever knows, someone knows, but we don't know at, at a dealership level, not the general manager, not the owners, anybody, what they're gonna be the next month. So it's just, it could be, if it's not so good right now, well, then the next month the incentives might be better. You know, the dealership paying their number aside, that rebate might go from 2000 to 3500 Well, you shouldn't have bought on the 29th, you should have bought on the 1st. Okay. So that's also something to look at, like, you know, what the average is and, and what it is, and it's something usually your salesperson can, can share with you too. And my salesperson, are, do they get paid more money if they sell me the car for a higher dollar amount, or they do? Okay. Almost every dealership. Some have, a, like, a flat where they just get paid on, on numbers, but that's kind of where everything's going anyways. There is, you would be shocked if I wrote down, if I showed you real deals, how much money as far as gross profit, not finance or the, the uh, manufacturer money or that, just gross profit, the difference between what they own a vehicle for, new or used, and the difference between what they sold it for, is quite often has a negative sign in front of it. Yeah, so you're saying dealerships are selling cars at a net loss. Paying people to drive they're, them off the lot. And they're hoping to make their money back in service. They're hoping to make their money back in financing. And I would guess some of the warranties that they may sell, some of the add-ons. Yeah, and I don't want you to give away the the uh, tricks to your trade because I'm sure you still have friends in the business. But is there one of those add-ons that you would just be like to our audience, stay the hell away from? Absolutely. 
uh, and and do you mind telling us? Of course not. Okay. So uh, exterior paint protection. People always ask me. Luckily, the dealership I worked at didn't have it. Interior and exterior protection. Now there's different companies. I don't know if it's good or bad. It really doesn't matter. I'll tell you why. Uh, you're in finance, the very last stage, right? You're in that last office. You're signing all the big long forms, the dot matrix printer, um, with a guy you met four seconds earlier. Your salesman's gone nowhere to be found. All the numbers are there. You're hoping they're all the same. That's the biggest fear. They change something on you, and they offer you some products, an extended warranty, which a lot of times makes a lot of sense. Something like 80% of our purchase contracts had an extended warranty. Uh, gap insurance, which is super important. A lot of people think it's hokey or something, but it's not hokey. Super important. So, you, without getting into what gap is, know this, guys. If gap insurance is offered to you, look hard into it because it basically is going to protect you if and when you get into an accident while you're upside down on your car, meaning you owe more than what it's worth. There's a gap there. Well, if your insurance company is only going to pay you what it's worth, but the finance company wants what you owe them, you have to come up with that difference. Gap insurance will will cover that for you. So according to Mike Williams, car salesman extraordinaire, heavily entertained gap insurance. Okay, keep going. Unless you're putting 20% down or more, definitely gap insurance. Okay. Another cool thing on a lease, you don't have to buy an extended warranty, going back to the lease conversation, and uh, gap insurance is included. You don't have to purchase it extra, so that's cool. So I ask people all the time, they're like, hey, do you have this XYZ company for interior and exterior paint protection? We loved it on our last car uh, that we bought elsewhere. And uh, I would say, when did you decide to get it, right, on, on that car? When did they treat it? Oh, the day we bought it. Okay, when did you tell them yes and sign for that product that they added in detail or whatever? Uh, in finance, the very last thing we did. How long between you saying yes to that product and signing on the dotted line were you walking around the car and looking at it, no one was doing anything to it. Like, oh, 15 minutes, 10 minutes, 8 minutes, 30, whatever. They never put anything on your car. <laughs> in other words, the factories have really nice paint now, and the insides are pretty hard to stain and stuff. You know, that, that product might work well. It very well might. I'm not trying to hit on anybody's product. Uh, but it probably never got applied to your vehicle. Okay. Are there any other those, like, gotcha you know, add-ons that they try to – that just – Look, if people want to make the decision, let them make it. But but these are things they should at least look hard at and consider not doing. Absolutely. Um, I would say uh, a lot of places call it different things. Um, but it's like a window etching. It's like an extra insurance uh, on the glass of your vehicle. That's how bad it is. I can't even explain it. Uh, I would literally prep customers before walking in front of, hey, like this one thing, don't even ask me why, but just no, no thing. I don't care if he gives it to you. So, so it, might be, it might be easier. Gap insurance, yes. we give thumbs up to. Warranties. Extended down. warranties, thumbs up to. Absolutely. Anything else that we should give thumbs up to? Uh, I like those two. A lot of times you, they offer you maintenance, like prepaid maintenance. Uh, just do the math if it makes sense. You know, if the manufacturer's paying a year and it's a three-year lease, and you say you need like two oil changes. A lot of the cars are going like 7,500 miles. So you're driving 12,000, 15,000 miles a year. You're going to need two a year for two years. They're like 60, 70 bucks a piece. Pretty quick math. And they're selling to you for $800. Probably hold off on that, right? Probably, you know, it probably doesn't make sense. You know what's crazy? We're going to do a whole entire episode about basic math, right? And it's not basic math like two plus two is four. It's literally figuring out mathematically, does this make sense? Or is it something I hire out? Yeah. I mean, I did that at uh, 21 years old. I had LASIK eye surgery. Now, I didn't pay for it because I had no money. But I had this girlfriend called Sally May. Yeah. 
yeah, a lot of people have paid that that same girlfriend a lot of money. So I went to Sally May. I'm like, hey, Sally, uh, will you give me $5,000? I told her it was for books and tuition, but really it was for LASIK. But when I justified it, I literally sat down and said, well, I spend this much on contacts, this much on contact solution. I go through two to three pair of glasses because I break them playing basketball or going to the gym, plus eye doctor's appointments. And I figured out my ROI was 10 years. If this LASIK could happen, it could 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 uh, keep my vision 2020 or better for 10 years, I should do it, let alone all of the comfort that comes along with the LASIK surgery. Um, and you're saying the same thing applies if you're trying to figure out, do you use the service package or not? Right. Sit down and run the numbers. It may or may not, depending on how much you drive and, and what it's going to take to service your vehicle. Same thing with the lease, uh, kind of going back to what you were saying. Um, you know, like I said, it's, it's usually about 80% of the cost of a purchase. Obviously, there's a lot to a lease. There's a lot to lease programs. Those online lease calculators are always off, it seems like. It's like... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Online calculators are somewhat accurate, but they are not the end-all, be-all. Agreed. Yeah. get you in a ballpark, but... Yeah, guess what? The same thing applies in the mortgage industry. I would guess the same thing applies to just about everything else that we do, especially when it comes to finance, whether I was trying to look up life insurance. I'm pretty sure online will give me a ballpark. Okay, I just, you know, I, I kind of, you may, you may have hit a nerve there yeah, where... Um, so hit a nerve for me too. Um, online resources for the consumer, especially when it comes to car buying, lease calculators, loan calculators for the mortgage business, they're, they're aimed at uh, consumers. They're, they're not aimed to be accurate, right? They want you to click on their website. Who, what website, what, what resource would you use online to get an uh, estimate for what your trade is worth? Next year, would you go to... Me? I, I only know KBB, right. Kelly Blue Book. Why do people know KBB? Why do people know KBB? Because they advertise like crazy. Um, when you go on their website, if you type that you're uh, trading, you know, whatever car and you're looking at a Ford Raptor, you're going to have like eight dealerships piped down your throat of, uh, in your area with Ford Raptors. Then you're going to have the other dealership that pays extra to have their Chevy Silverado, you know, whatever off-road to be in there. They are a website for making money via ads from dealerships, right? Uh, you can even sell your car to KBB. Really, it's a dealership that you'll go trade it to anyways. So they're a consumer website. They're an advertising website. So why do they want you to come back to it? So they're not going to tell you what your car's worth. They're going to tell you an inflated number so you feel good going there, and you go back to them, and you tell your friends to go there. The higher your car, the more it's worth, the more it says it's worth. The happier you are, the more likely you are to go on there, the more they can charge for their advertising. And Man, this sometimes it's dead on, but usually it's way higher. This sounds like lending tree yeah, and right. bank rate. There you go. They're good enough resources, but they're marketing websites, they're lead right. generation websites. They are not the end all be all. Exactly. So quick hack instead of KBB, run to the nearest CarMax. About twenty minutes they'll do an appraisal and actually write you a check that's good for like three days if you accept it. Ooh, I like that. And if you go to that, and even if you don't sell it to them, there's a tax advantage. We can get real deep into the financing number side of cars sometime if you want. Uh, but on the there's a tax advantage in the state of Florida, at least in most states, um, that you only pay the taxes difference of what you buy and what you trade. So if you're buying a fifty thousand dollar vehicle and your trades, they're giving you twenty thousand for your trade. You're only paying taxes on thirty. So it wouldn't make sense to sell it for twenty thousand five hundred to CarMax and not trade it, right? Ah, uh, yeah. So um, there's reason for that, but at least if you go to CarMax, spend 20 minutes there, they will put it in writing. A, it's a negotiation tool later, but B, it's just that you have a rough idea of what your car's worth. Because if you go on KBB, 
then go to three dealers and show them your car. You're going to be pretty, you're going to tell everybody how pissed off you are, how hard it is to buy a car. That's a huge takeaway. Like, that's a fantastic life hack. Like, so I'm going to take my car before I tell my dealer that I'm going to trade it in. I'm going to spend 20 minutes to go to CarMax. Worst case, I know what, what my car is worth. I know how much they're going to pay me cash. It's free. it's free. And then I can use that to negotiate my trade. Or worst case, I end up buying the car and taking my, my, my previous car to CarMax. I sell it. Um, life's all well and good. Dude, this was fantastic. I so appreciate you coming on the show. Um, that, that's all the time we have right now. So, ladies and gentlemen, he is Mike Williams. He is actually our rising star here at Waterstone Mortgage. Mike has recently kind of taken the next step in your career. You went from helping people make the correct financial decision when it came to their transportation, and now you're working on their shelter, right? You are taking your same exact business approach that made you number one five years in a row in the auto industry and you're applying it to the largest purchase of anyone's life, which tends to be their home, right? Unless they're super wealthy, rich, and they're buying businesses and, and, and airplanes. But yeah, which is fine. We can't help them, but we can help them with the house part. Um, I'm going to guess, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Obviously, if somebody has a home loan question, the, you're a wealth of knowledge when it comes to, to autos. You're the same wealth of knowledge when it comes to homes. You're going to take the same exact approach to customize the financing to make sure that the, the person who is buying the home with you is, is buying the right home and getting the right type of loan. But because I know how you treat your clients, if someone happens to have a question regarding buying a car, would you mind spending three, four, five minutes with, with them on the phone? Absolutely. If I shut up, yeah, it's no problem. Okay. So how about this? In order for me to tell you how to shut up, I first have to get you on the phone. How do I do that? How do I get a hold of you? Uh, my direct line's 407-761-2855. Uh, text call whenever. Uh, I'm always around. Perfect. That is Mike Williams. He's a loan officer here with us at Waterstone Mortgage. He's an ex-top producing car salesman. I'm Dustin Owen. You just got done listening to the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my special guest, Mike Williams. Peace. Peace.